State of the Nation is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The Raiders are getting ready to say goodbye to Oakland with presumably the final two games at the Coliseum coming up. You know you want to be there. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Wynn on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Wynn. And uh, Vic joining us from Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium where the Raiders... They got uh, they got taken apart pretty good today. Uh, Forty to nine loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, a loss that was was pretty well epitomized on uh, as the Raiders finally got into the end zone and and only saw their PAT get blocked in return for a two point conversion, and uh, that that was the final tally. Forty to nine, uh, not a pretty game, uh, and really a game that we've we've come to get used to when we see the Raiders go to Arrowhead. Yeah, I thought. Um... I thought they came out okay. I thought the um, defense made some plays early. I thought they um, definitely looked better than they had, you know, last week as far as their um, readiness to play. But, you know, too many turnovers, too many penalties. And against a really good team, you can't dig yourself a hole. And um, that's what they did, and the result was uh, was not good. Yeah, it just felt like a typical game that we've grown used to in Arrowhead where the Raiders, they, they seem to be able to move the ball in Chiefs, but – they just have the, these boneheaded mistakes and these terrible turnovers. It's like they save all their worst plays of the season for Arrowhead, and um, it's just you know it's a familiar story that we've we've seen year in year out. You know, I know probably frustrating for fans is to hear Derek Carr talk after the game and you know asked about those interceptions. Uh, obviously, the bad one uh, trying to target Waller on on the first drive, and then the pick six uh, trying to target Tyrell Williams, and. You know, I, I mean, this is this is what he sees, this is what he feels, and what he believes. But I, when he comes out and, and tells you that, well, hey, those are those are looks that we have been able to hit on those plays before, and they just made really good plays. I mean, that's that's what he thinks, that's what he believes, and and that might be what what they see as a coaching staff, as the players. But I I just don't know that that is the the best message that that gets sent out after this game, that, hey, we like what we saw on those looks. Uh, Those guys just made great plays. Right, but what's what's the alternative? He's going to say, hey, guys, I I can't play in the cold weather. I mean, I'm not sure you can say that. Obviously, he struggled in the cold weather and was well-documented. And I just think – Overall, he said he didn't feel like he played that badly as far as, you know, his touch on the passes and, and, and affecting him. But, um, you know, I think for me, actually more telling than his quote was, the one from Tyron uh, Matthew, who had the first interception, he said that they kind of can read off the formations when the Raiders are going to try and go deep and they're ready for those kind of plays when Carr tried to throw the ball more than, you know, say 15, 20 yards. Like they know his game was check downs to tight ends or running backs and not turn the ball over. But he thought they were able to prepare and were ready for him when he was ready to take shots down the field. So to me, 
it's almost more of a slight on on the play calling than it is on Derek Carr. No, I actually think that's a pretty good point because both both those interceptions were uh, interceptions in which the defense had a pretty good idea of what the the offense was doing. Like that Tyrell Matthew inter, uh, interception, he, you know, it, it was it was a kind of a different coverage than what you usually see, but he came off his route and picked off Carr. Usually, when a quarterback sees that look, he would anticipate that outside route would break open and that 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 the honey badger would just keep going in with the in route, but he didn't. He he broke off that and made a great pick. In a perfect world, you would want to see Carr react to it and maybe throw that ball out of bounds, but he just stuck with it and, and threw it. And on a second interception, um, same thing. Safety kind of came up on a dig route and uh, picked that ball off. Uh, so they, they kind of, I think they did have a pretty good feel of what Carr was going to do. You know, we said on Twitter that we're not going to break down every detail of this game. We won't. We're going to get into uh, letting some of you guys vent and, and take some questions here. Just kind of fill this episode up with a, with a, with a, with a hearty discussion of kind of what, what the fans are feeling. But we will discuss the game a little bit. And and I think a couple of the plays that, that you go back and you look at it as, as were pretty crucial was that, that fourth down play where they run the end around to Trevor Davis and... The hole was there. I mean, if he, if he if he you know is able to turn the corner, if he doesn't try to take it outside, uh, it was a seven nothing game at that point. And uh, you know they're they're driving with the chance, you know, to, to to maybe go in and score, maybe at least a field goal attempt, one that doesn't look like one of the worst field goal attempts ever, as as we saw from from Carlson on on his first attempt. But um, that that play w- w- was pretty crucial. That that Trevor Davis was not able to uh, to pick up that first down when it, it seemed like it was it was there for him. Yeah, to me that was really. I mean, I was a, uh, there was a turning point, but to me that was kind of the point of no return. I know a lot of folks think it was the uh, the pick six. Josh Jacobs thought that was the one that kind of took the sails out of the Raiders team on the sidelines. But to me that that fourth and one play, like you said, I thought it was a good call. I mean, you, they, we, we talked about it last week how Engold kind of became predictable. And obviously, Josh Jacobs also looking for him. They stopped him earlier. So I think that was a nice play call to come off guard. There was a big hole. Uh, Trevor Davis did miss it. I think at that point, you put the defense in a tough spot, and the Chiefs came down and scored uh, pretty quickly. And all of a sudden, it's 14-0. And the pick six makes it 21-0. So to me, I thought they were in the game at that point until that fourth and one play. But they had a chance. They were driving a little bit. So to me, that changed the whole thing. And I think, obviously, I'm not trying to diminish Derek's interceptions, but to me, that was kind of the point of no return in, in today's game. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about that play because I, I know the hole is there, but when you're running a fly sweep, you don't really cut the play back. And I know it was there, but like, you know, when you train your receivers to run fly sweep, you, you tell the guy, get outside, get outside, get outside, because you, you don't want guys being too, um, too indecisive on that kind of run. So I, and I also, think like is Trevor Davis the guy you really want to trust in a crucial game on fourth and one I I, I know the hole is there but there's so many other plays you go with go with I I think they've just been getting too cute on these fourth and one calls like uh, I think last week they tried that whole thing where they motioned everybody out and left in gold in there you know I I think if they just kept Josh Jacobs in the backfield and even just handed off to in gold or ran spider two wide banana or something like that it would have been more effective. Get guys the ball that you know you can trust. Um, so that's just my my opinion on that, Cole. I mean, I know that was one of the arguments that people were like, why are you giving it to Davis? I mean, you do got to remember. I mean, he had that, that end-around touchdown, what, in Indy. I mean, he has, you know, I know he hasn't touched the ball a lot, but it's not like he's, 
he's you know he hasn't made a big play in, in that kind of situation. I mean, it wasn't a fourth down there, but um, you know, if you're Gruden, you kind of have that in the back of your head. Hey, this guy took one to the house. Um, I like him to be able to pick up a yard, and you don't want to get too predictable. I mean, this was a better play call, I thought, than last week because at least you had multiple options. You know, you weren't just only angled in the backfield, and that was really your only play. Um, but yeah, I mean it. It 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 was a play that they had a chance to have work, and it didn't work out for them. And it was and it kind of was the end of it after that. Yeah, I was going to say. I think obviously, I think Derek's going to take a lot of blame for, especially from the fans. I'm sure the fans, I'm sure, are killing Derek on social media. And I think definitely he, he definitely has a part of that. Those play, those interceptions were not good plays. But I also think there were a handful of plays, several plays. We bought time in the pocket and looked downfield, and nobody was open. I mean, I don't think Tyrell Williams played very well. I don't think Jay Jones played very well. So I'm not sure the passing game's troubles are really all on him. I think that, um, like John mentioned after the game, they had like the highest you know turnover at receiver in the league. That's that's an excuse, but it's also true. I'm not sure that those guys have really stepped up to kind of fill that hole. Yeah, I mean they don't have. I mean their options at receiver are not great. I mean. Tyrell Williams, uh, you know, I, earlier in the year we were trying to sell him, I think, as a number one, but I just I don't think he's a number one. I think he's a number two. And then everybody else is is like replacement-level receivers. These are guys that are just, just kind of guys that, I mean, when you can make trades for late-round draft picks uh, to bring in guys that are end up being your starting-type receivers and Trevor Davis and Zay Jones and, and whatnot, um, you know, Keelan Doss, bring him back off a, off of a practice squad. I mean, these are basically replacement-level receivers that you're throwing out there, and, I mean, they're, they're not they're not high-level weapons for, uh, for, for Gar. Yeah, yeah Williams no. had – oh, sorry, Ted. I was going to say, hey, Williams had those two drops, you know, against Houston that cost him the game. But also, I'm not sure he's been the same guy since. I think maybe his confidence took a hit, and I haven't really seen him kind of assert himself since that game. Yeah, I, I think Williams could be a good number two receiver. Uh, I think it makes a big difference if he does have a number one opposite of him. Uh, but, I mean, this receiver, receiving corp isn't very deep, and Hunter Renfro was the guy that was making plays, and then he gets injured. So it's just kind of a rough spot they're, they're in. And I, I agree with you, Victor. I mean, there was times where Carr bought a lot of time, and nobody got open. There was just no space. I mean, I, you know, you want to see it all 22, but the clips that – uh cbs showed nobody got open they were completely plastered by a secondary that's not very good so uh yeah Carr has you know takes share of the blame too but he's not getting a lot of help from this uh receiving corp and we knew that it was going to be a weak point well you know one thing I, so i did do some looking at some stats and, and ted i'll be interested kind of maybe see how how the film lines up with this but you know next gen stats nfl next gen stats kind of does all those numbers where they um break down the the separation a receiver has at um you know when the quarterback goes to throw the ball and this was was pretty surprising to me that the raiders actually rank third in the nfl at the third highest amount of yards of separation as the quarterback throws the ball they average 4.16 yards of separation as the quarterback is throwing the ball to his target um which is i, I mean again that 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 does not take into account uh, uh passes where there was no offensive target um so i you know it, it's hard I, you know you don't know how much those stats mean but um that was pretty uh, pretty amazing that they ranked that high in uh, in average yards of separation. I think that also means that Carr isn't throwing to a lot of guys that are contested too. So mm-hmm. when he's throwing yeah. to these guys, they're they're open. They're, yeah. they're getting a lot of separation. 
Yeah, he's only throw. He's only throwing to guys. I mean, because obviously, if you if you're throwing to a checkdown where there's uh, nobody within ten yards, then that is going to kind of inflate those numbers because you're not. Um, you're obviously not throwing to guys in in those tight windows. All right. Well, now let's, as promised, we're gonna we're gonna take this to the fans. We're gonna let uh, let you guys vent a little bit, take some questions here, and uh, we'll start from uh, from Daniel Wheatley. He asks, uh, obvious question here, but what becomes the goal for the remainder of this season? Uh, Wildcard appears to be a long shot at best. Uh, does the goal remain the same, or do they start playing for the future? Um, I don't really know what playing for the future for this team would mean. I mean, uh, you're playing all your young guys already. It's not like there's other young guys that you could kind of add in, you know, start playing. I mean, you don't have a young quarterback that you would want to, you know, start getting some experience out there. I mean, so I, I think well, they. Wait, how old is Deshaun Kaiser? Not old. Yeah. I mean, if you I'm, think Deshaun Kaiser is the future. Don't, don't start. I'm, don't I'm start. Sorry. I, I couldn't resist. That's my bad. I apologize. I'm trying to find some light. But no, you're right. You're just, I mean, you're right. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, so the, the goal for the remainder of the season, I mean, it's win, still win as many games as you can. I mean, um, you got two home games here coming up, probably the final two home games ever in Oakland. Uh, you want to win them both and, and get yourself to eight and six and, and say, what the hell? Let's see if we can beat the Chargers and Broncos and uh, and, and let's make a, a go at it. I mean, it, it does seem like a long shot. I don't see them winning out, but, uh, it you know, the, the Titans obviously are playing really well right now. That game uh, earlier in the year looked like an easier matchup, uh, especially when Mariota was still a quarterback, but Tannehill is, is suddenly playing well and, uh, that looks like a tough game, but you know, hey, you, you still approach it that the playoffs are not uh, you know out of range, and you know, and in, until or unless you lose a couple more games, I mean, you you still keep kind of kind of fighting to see if you can get in there. I mean, to me, they're only what they're a game behind two teams, right? The Titans are seven and five, the Steelers are seven and five, so they play the Titans, so that's that'll be a huge. They win that one, they win the you know the tiebreaker, and Derek Carr. I mean, the opposite of the Chiefs, he kind of owns the Titans, if I'm not mistaken, historically, so. To me, that's not that long of a shot. So I think they're actually not that far out of it. I think in both the Steelers and Titans, to me, are kind of week-to-week teams. The Steelers could win or lose to anybody pretty much with that quarterback. They're, they're playing the duck caller right now, quarterback. So I, I just don't mean – I know this is an ugly loss. It's been an ugly two weeks. But, you know, they, were, they won the last three games at home. The next two games are definitely winnable. So I think they're actually not that far out of the playoff chase. And, uh, again, I mean – you just got to take this team out of the cold weather because I think not only Derek Carr, but the whole team the last two weeks has not really responded well to playing in the cold weather. And that's just, um, I don't know how you fix that if you like, uh, you know, spray them down with hoses at practice next time. But uh, I just think that, um, I think they're still on it. I think they still have a shot. Yeah. I mean, they're not in control of their own destiny, but they're not mathematically eliminated. Um, so yeah, you just keep playing, keep doing what you're doing and develop, keep developing the young guys because it, they are playing some young guys and uh, keep they, they've done some good things this year and they, they could continue to build on that. And um, I know a lot of people are calling for Carr's head, but you know, he, I think overall this year he, he's been good. And the last two weeks have definitely uh, made some people, you know, question Carr, but he, he still has, if he, if he, I mean, if he wins out, then he's, you know, he's still going to be in consideration to be, the quarterback to future, but obviously if he plays terribly, then you know, you start thinking about other quarterbacks. Well, but, that, uh, the last game's in Denver, so that's gonna be cold, so you can't win that one. So they, you, <laughs> of, you, you got to win three out of four, it. I guess. 
But what if well, he does? I mean, the, yeah. The, the one guy who, who was fine in the cold, two guys really were. Darren Waller had a big game, seven catches, 100 yards, and, and Josh Jacobs. Obviously, they had to go away from him in the second half. They got down big, but um, had basically 100 yards you know, by halftime. Um, it, it was unfortunate that they couldn't just keep leaning on him because he was, uh, especially early on, he was really good. Yeah, I think he's definitely past 1,000 yards, which is great for a rookie this early in the season. Just um, they, they, The Chiefs knew it was coming. They prepared for it, and they still got big, big carries and turned the corner at times and got some tough yards inside. Just uh, He's a real deal. I just think that, it, to me, it's I mean, probably even more of a shame for this loss that they got the running game going, and they still couldn't score any points, which is kind of perplexing. So I think um, if you had told me the Chiefs you know, they, you know, crowded the box and stopped them, and the Raiders got blown out. That's one thing, but they actually did establish their run and still couldn't score any points. That makes it even harder for me, I think, for the stomach this loss for for Raider fans. Yeah, one thing that I'm I'm confused about, and I, I I'm not I don't have the numbers in front of me, but for a team that's so good at running the ball, I feel like they should be a much better play action team. And if they're better at play action, they could find different ways of getting um, Darren Waller the ball. Like when the when the Niners didn't have any weapons on the outside they were still able to get the ball to Kittle because they were so good at play action and I you know I think the Raiders should be better in that area but they, they don't seem like they do it enough and they just don't seem that good at it that's a good point yeah, I'm not sure why I mean even say a couple of plays that they set up that didn't work out but um, I think they want to definitely that's part of their game plan but uh, today they just couldn't get that part of the game going all right, here's uh, from Chandler. He says, It's really a shame to watch the talent that we do have go to waste, Jacobs, Waller, Moreau, etc., because we have to game plan around our quarterback who can't make things happen. Do you guys think we should go ahead and get a new QB1 in the draft or wait and get Lawrence in 2021? Well, I like how that guy has Moreau as a star with Derek Carr. He's a star. <laughs> yeah, star. We, got, we got Moreau's incredible, but this Derek Carr guy is killing us. <laughs> but um, I get the frustration. I just think it's uh, it's so it's a week to week league. I know that you know two weeks ago everyone was loving Derek Carr. Now they all hate him. Uh, I think this um, yeah I think his future's always been up in the air. I think it, it will be till we'll never know what John Gruden is going to do from day to day. So I think that's still a question. We'll have to see what happens, but. Uh, I don't know. I just, I mean, let's, let's, let's give him four more games and let's see if they can make a run at it. But uh, you, have, you have to give him, like we said, I mean, the receiving core is not what it should be based on a lot of things over the course of the year. And he's kind of done well with that despite that until until recently. Yeah, I think if they were to put a new plan in motion as far as quarterback, an option they could do is they can draft one in the first round and maybe – Tua falls down to one of their draft picks because of his injury. They could sit him for a year and they could keep Carr for another year. And then if they want to, they could cut him the, the, the following year in 2022 for two and a half mil. That, that That's just an option, you know, or just me kind of going I don't, through some I just don't see, I don't see Derek doing well with a guy and waiting behind him. I don't see Derek handling that well as far as, okay, we got Tua, you're going to play for a year and Tua's the guy next year. Just knowing Derek, he's got a lot. I'm not going to say he's uh, – he can be a little thin-skinned at times, a little sensitive. But I, don't, I just don't know if that's going to work. I think you have to, like, he's your guy or he's not your guy. And I think if you don't want him to go forward, the contract works out. He can get away from that contract pretty easily after the season. So, I think that will be a decision that Gruden makes. But I can't see him going halfway. I don't see it like, you know what, you're a guy for now. We're going to draft this guy in the first round. He'll be our guy next year. It's just not going to work. I just can't see that working. 
Yeah, it's it's different if you're able if there's a guy you really like who's a little more under the radar that you're able to get in say the fourth round, maybe even third round, and you're kind of just hey, you know, we we need a backup, we need a guy, and and you know when, when kind of in your head you're, you're you're knowing that maybe you you might be looking toward him, but yeah, first rounder, you take a guy in the first round, that's a, that's a glaring signal that we're moving on from you, and it's it's hard to kind of come back from that. Yeah, Plus, for the people, go ahead, sorry. Uh, for the people that want Trevor Lawrence, you got to realize that this guy is going to be a number one pick. And, I, you know, as, the Raiders have their problems, but they have a lot of young talent. And they would have to, like, go into the tank of tanks to get Lawrence. That that I think that's a very unrealistic scenario. All right. All right, question here. Uh, next one up from uh, Paul Revere is my homeboy. He says, not that would that it would have mattered much this week, but what's with the Raiders always having to play the Chiefs after their bye? Looks like the Chiefs have had a bye before they played the Raiders three out of the last four years. Uh, we know Andy Reid now 18-3 and three, uh, all-time as a coach with both uh, Philadelphia and now Kansas City after a bye. And uh, Vic, uh, you had the numbers earlier this week about how often they've they've had to play, the Raiders have had to play them recently. It's a... Uh, it, it does seem uh, a little inconvenient if you're the Raiders. Yeah, it's a little fishy. You know, all the games are always in December when it's freezing cold. You never see them play the Chiefs here in uh, in September. So, I, I mean, I think it's um, obvious oversight. I don't, I'm not a huge believer in the big conspiracy, the anti-Raiders thing. But they're definitely, there's definitely reason to complain. I mean, the schedule has been brutal this year. This is one more part of that. I just think that uh, it is a huge, huge advantage for the Chiefs to have this game at home every December after a bye. And then they know poor Derek Carr is freezing, so it's just uh, it's, it's rough. He loves the cold. He does love the cold. I just feel, I mean, it's the whole thing. I mean, everyone knew this was a thing with him. It was like an underlying stat. I just think Del Rio just did not do him any favors. I mean, Del Rio is trying to, like, brush, you know, over his failures as a coach by saying, hey, my quarterback couldn't win in the cold, which I think is just weak. And now everyone's talking about it, and it's become a bigger deal for Derek, so – I mean, it's obviously Hurley has to get over, but again, it's a it's a team game, so I don't know if you can pin all those losses on Derek. I just thought I thought it was bogus by by Jack to do that, and I think now it's going to become a huger and huger issue for uh, for Derek going forward. Yeah, I think as far as the the bye week thing, it, it does stink that you know you have to play Andy Reid. He's so good after bye weeks, but I, I actually felt like the defense played well enough to win this game if the offense was more careful with the ball and played better. Uh, I mean, because you don't really expect your defense, especially the Raiders, to completely shut down the Chiefs. But, you know, I, th- I thought they played uh, they played well enough to win the game if the offense was better. And, and they, they should be better against a, a Kansas City defense that's not really great. I agree. They only gave up one play more than 20 yards. I mean, they had a huge fourth down stop early on. I think they came ready to play. Obviously, they're not the most talented bunch. They still have some guys in that I'm not sure what the hell they're doing as far as like in that one play where Mahomes ran in for touchdown. You see Whitehead kind of frozen. I'm not sure what he was thinking. So there's LaMarcus Joyner can't cover Travis Kelsey. There's, there's still huge problems. But overall, they played hard. They didn't play very smart, a lot of penalties. But, uh, again, they didn't give up any, many, very many big plays, which I think is a huge thing when you play this team. So I thought the Raiders' defense was fine today. Not, re- not really um, going to blame them for too much as far as this, this bad loss goes. All right, another point here from Car Must Go, and he, uh, he he points out really one of the most staggering stats from this game. He says, and uh, as I said, his name is Car Must Go, so he can tell where this, this is a pretty big theme of we're not going to get into too many of these car question, 
comments, questions. This is not about Carr, though. He says, I'm not saying we did not commit the penalties that we were called for, but there's no way if the refs are calling it tight enough, we have 12, um, tight, tight enough that we have 12 plus that Kansas City has zero penalties. Not possible. That is all. Um, yeah, it was 12 zip uh, in the penalty department, which is pretty hard to believe. Well, apparently it is possible. Yeah, <laughs> it freaking it happened. happened. I, I watched with my own two eyes. I mean, I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs play a cleaner game. I mean, obviously you can always every every play you can go back and probably find a penalty if you really look hard for it. And, and all these calls are, are tough to, to analyze. But I think the Raiders played played sloppy overall, and, and the Chiefs didn't. So I know whether it's twelve zero or twelve one or thirteen to two, but that was a big difference in the game. I can, you can't blame the officials for. Um, you know, Mahomes had a nice hard count. Definitely called him off sides like four times, I think. So, again, I, I don't know if the, I mean, the officials you know, don't do a great job overall, but I'm not sure you can blame them for today. I mean, 12-0 is 12-0, but whatever. Yeah, um, it's just hard with these penalties. I mean, with, with these penalties, you, you can't really argue any of the penalties the Raiders had today. Um, and, you know, you really have to go back and scrutinize and watch the film if you want to see if the if Kansas City did indeed uh, commit some penalties. So yeah, it's just it's hard to talk about just because you know, like you said, you could call a penalty on every single play, and you can't really argue against any of the penalties the, the Raiders committed. But it is pretty lop. It was pretty lopsided. I will say I thought it was mean to go back and overturn the interception by Mullen. Go back and <laughs> I'm not sure why they felt the need to go back and change that call. Maybe it was they saw them post. It was that the picture. Wizard of Oz that made the call. Yeah, so John Green says the Wizard of Oz, but maybe the Wizard of Oz saw him pose for a picture down 24-0. The defense, <laughs> what the hell was that? They'd be like, you know what? Those clowns, let's, look, let's, let's review that play. Oh, yeah, you look, you pushed them. Pass interference. But I just thought that was karma. I can't believe they posed for a picture down 24-0 in the third quarter. But, um, again, it wasn't uh, that blatant. But, uh, yeah, he did. there was contact. So, if you really want to nitpick, it was pass interference. But, yeah. Um, I was I was a uh, I was another, another tough tough break for them. But the game was already over at that point. Yeah, hopefully the in the background the picture wasn't a scoreboard, but it it, it sucked because Mullen played. You could you could have made an argument that the, a bright spot in that game was Mullen. He played pretty good throughout, and if he sealed out sealed that interception, he would have had a pretty good game. And then it gets taken away by the 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 replay, and it's kind of a kind of just culmination of everything that's. That happened in that game. Yeah, I like Mo. Well, Mo's going to be good. And a rookie cornerback, it's tough to do that and to play that job in the NFL. I thought he made some plays today, and you definitely see him and flash a lot. So it was a tough call, but I think maybe he learns a lesson. Don't pose down 24-0, and then things will work out better. Since we're talking about interceptions that didn't happen, we've got to talk about Nevin Lawson. Uh, drop that oh. interception. It was, it was a knuckler and all that, but – the guy is is as of that moment at it. He had played thirty one, uh, three thousand one hundred nineteen defensive snaps. Um, obviously more with after that. Still no interceptions in the guy's career. Uh, it's that's freaking unbelievable. Oh, well, first, Vic, you, you, were, you were there. Did, did, that, did that look like it's gonna be a pick six? Nah, it was in the middle of the field. Right, it was kind of middle of the field. Okay. It could have been, but. Um, to me, when I heard that stat, like I think it was last week or two weeks ago, about him not having an interception, like all those snaps, I couldn't believe it. Now, having watched that play, I can, I can, I can believe it. I believe that stat now. I mean, he he fought himself hard. He really tried, like he was defending himself against the interception. But uh, yeah, that was those are, those are the kind of plays you got to make. I mean, if you're gonna win on the road, or have a chance to 
at least stay in the ball game. You got to make those plays because Mahomes is pretty good. If he makes a mistake, you got to take advantage. Yeah, Lawson's probably one of those guys that, like, he comes on a field, you see he's super athletic, he can run, and then you watch him catch, and you're like, okay, that guy's got to go be a DB. Yeah. All right, I got a comment here from Fawns that uh, I think Vic's going to enjoy. Ted, you're going to enjoy it too. It's a pretty good one. Um, it says, with Carr pretty much playing himself out of next year, how can we go wide receiver in the next draft? You got to go quarterback or pray Peterman is the second coming. Man, people just, uh, Nathan Peterman, ladies and gentlemen. Deshaun Kaiser getting no love. But um, <laughs> uh, no, I just don't. The receiver class is so good next year. Like I said, they have two picks in the first round. So you'll be able to get one at some point if you wait till second one. But um, yeah, I just don't. I mean, again, with John Gruden, I'm sure when the draft time comes, he'll fall in love with all these quarterbacks according to the press. And he'll love this guy. He'll love that guy. And it'll be a redo of this year's draft. But I just don't know. I mean, if, we'll have to wait and see with, with what happens with Derek in the last four games. But I wouldn't bury him quite yet. I wouldn't. Two weeks ago, when they were 3-0 and after the homestand, I wouldn't have crowned him. I wouldn't bury him yet. I think it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, this is a super wide receiver rich draft. Mike um, Mayock was in Oklahoma looking at C.D. Lamb and and Kenneth Murray. Um, so, I you know, Carr still has four games to play, and if he plays really well in the, these last games, I think he'll make the, the conversation a little interesting. And obviously, these last two weeks is just kind of a, a leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. All right, question here, comment here, I guess, from Todd Goldberg. says, uh, I guess Keelan Doss is not, in fact, a taller Jerry Rice. That is fact. <laughs> he, caught, he, had, he caught a pass today. He had one-fourth uh, one, one of their production out of the receivers. Well, today, it, so. Until that last drive, they had one catch for eight yards out of their receiving core. Yeah. But, uh, again, I just think he's a kind of a glorified, you know, practice squad player this year. So I wouldn't judge him too much more he does this year. But uh, I know it's a big storyline because of what happened in the preseason. But uh, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's hard to judge these guys after, after a game like today. All right, we're going to close this out uh, on a little bit more of a positive note with these final two comments. Here's from Urban T. With uh, Here's his perspective on, uh, on this game this season says, I've accepted that we are not a good team yet, encouraged by the positive signs this season, but we're one or two seasons away. I'm fine with missing the playoffs and getting a higher pick. Hashtag Raider for life. That's beautiful. Looking at the bright thing. Bright beautiful side things. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good way of looking at it. But I also don't think you want to tank for the rest of the season to get a higher no, draft pick. No, Yeah, you just want to – I think you, you want to try to make the playoffs because, like we talked about, they're not mathematically – eliminated and they do want to build a, a foundation and then you know tanking is definitely i don't think a good option yeah i mean they're not going to tank i mean i think you know my view of this season all along has been if they can get into december and have those games matter it doesn't matter really what happens beyond that i mean this team is has been better than we expected they're not a team that's going to get even if they got into the playoffs it's going to go on some miracle super bowl run but um They've got. They've made these games in December matter. I mean, if these last two games coming up in Oakland, um, if they were you know, you know, two and twelve or whatever, two and ten or three and nine, four and eight. I mean, and just the season was completely over. Um, the atmosphere would 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 stink. But you know, hey, these games are at least 
do th- do still have some importance to him, and so uh, I think that's a win for this season for him. Um, and, and whatever happens the last four games, at least they, they've been more interesting than we expected. Yeah, I, I think this season kind of validates some of the moves that John Gruden has made, and it kind of, and he, he showed some coaching chops, you know, being able to change this offense uh, right as the season beginning because of the whole A-B fiasco. So I, I think those are important things, too. Maybe he's out of tricks up his sleeve. I mean, all the tricks have been played, and he has nothing left maybe for the rest of the going of the season. But um, yeah, I agree. I think it's been a positive season overall. I mean, I think they're going to probably finish 8-8 eight and eight or somewhere around there. But um, I can look at the young guys who all stepped up. Rookies made a huge contribution. I think, um, you know, defensively, he still needs more playmakers outside of the ball. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, they got one, I think, in Mullen. I think Mullen's going to be good. So I think that's a, a, a real positive. Yeah, this smells like an 8-8 eight and eight team. If they finish better than that, then that's great. But it, it kind of smells like an 8-8 eight and eight team. But, all right, we'll see. All right, final question comment here uh, from RB. Ask Vic what good food and beer he had during the trip. It's the only thing worth reviewing. I had a good uh, good time last night. Uh, BB's Lawnside, I don't know if it's a Lawnside Cafe or Lawnside something, but uh, it's a nice spot, about 20 minutes outside of Kansas City. It's a blues place. They have uh, barbecue and also some New Orleans-type food. So I had some ribs and some uh, red beans and rice, some coleslaw, a lot of uh, Boulevard, I believe, is the, uh, the brewery I was drinking. But, uh, yeah, it was great, 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 uh, great, great sound, great, great music, and it was a good time out. And today I went to Jack Stack for a pregame meal for lunch. Jack Stack is probably the best burnt ends uh, in the universe, probably. So uh, two great meals. Uh, otherwise, I'm not a huge. I mean, there's not much to do here besides eat ribs. I mean, it's not the. It's not a, it's not a really fun town, I don't think. But uh, it was cold also. But um, yeah, it's all Negro about the League, game. Negro League Museum is worth the uh, worth the visit. Yeah, I've done. I think for me, I've been here so many times in my what just 10, 10 years now. So I've done all that stuff already. So to me, it's pretty much. Just eat, eat rips and uh, watch a little college football and try and uh, stay warm. But uh, I, had a, I had a fun night out. BB's uh, Longside definitely is a place to go. Wait, so are you a KC barbecue over Texas barbecue person? No, I mean, actually, my favorite place may be uh, in Nashville. It's the uh, the Peg Lake Porker, more of a dry rub place. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of versatile. Like I'm very flexible. I don't uh... equal opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Either, right. It depends on my my moods. Also, the you know big part of it and what I'm in the mood for. But uh, yeah, burnt ends at Jack Stack is probably the, the, the best thing to have in this town. But the ribs were good last night at uh, at BB's. But um, yeah, like I said, my favorite place probably might be in Nashville. So I'm not really one to to say one region's better than another region. It gets very competitive when you start talking about who has the best barbecue. But I mean, hey, if it's all if it all tastes good, you don't really have to de- decide who's the better and whatnot. Uh, you know, you just enjoy it all, right? Exactly. So um, I got. I, I, I feel like Ted is, is <laughs> like very, very much on one particular side. I, I feel like Ted does not agree with us here. He, what, what, I think he you, thinks that you've uh, got to no. I, I I've never I've never been to Texas. I've never been to KC. So I was just wondering. But I, I'm I'm really curious to try barbecue from both cities. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They're both uh, they're they're both good. Like you, you know, Texas, a lot of times it's like you go and you order your meat by the pound and. Uh, you uh, the first time I went and I was like I don't know how the hell much to order you just kind of I'm like I guess I'll get a half a pound of that and I, you know you want to try like so many different things that you end up with this big tray like that's just loaded with and then they give you like two pieces of like white bread for everything you order and I, I think the first time I was in Texas I ended up with this tray like couple different meats a side dish and like eight slices of white bread I'm like what the what am I gonna do with all this 
Uh, to me, that's a big negative. Like, if you're serving me white bread, you've definitely lost some spots in my bread. Like, last night, BB's is a great spot, but no cornbread, no biscuits. I don't want white sliced bread with my ribs. I mean, to me, that's a big negative. But um, I will say this about BB's. Huge portions and a pretty good, good price. Like, um, I got a huge, like, a, some mountain of ribs for 22 bucks. I wound up passing them out to my neighbors oh. around the bar and changing. I traded some for beers. I was, like, doing some bartering. So it was a it was a fun evening, but uh, it was a huge amount of ribs for uh, for twenty two bucks. All right. Well, with that, I think we're all probably uh, ready to go have a, a second dinner here. But we will sign off and uh, get ready for the Raiders are returning home. They will take on the Tennessee Titans next week, and uh, we'll get you the all Sean, ready. For the Sean Kaiser's first start right next week. Oh Jesus. Oh, Vic. Oh, I'm man. kidding. I got jokes. I got jokes. <laughs> you got you to joke, keep joke. it light. You got to keep it light, guys. Everyone's everyone's miserable on Twitter and He's dying. just jumping over, just jumping a, over Mike Lennon. Come on. Oh, man. That Pro part football about, t- that, that part I'm not joking about. That part I'm serious about. But the part of him starting, I'm joking about. But uh, okay. yeah, I think okay. Mike Lennon last week may have been the last we see of him, I think. so. Uh, I, I can see it now. Pro Football Talk headline. Deshaun Kaiser ready, ready to start next game. I hope somebody aggregates that. I really want to see that get aggregated somewhere. No, Nick Kafer predicts that Deshaun Kaiser could be jumping over Mike Lennon and, and replacing Derek Carr. I clearly said joke several times in there, so no one can, <laughs> no one can aggregate that. But I think I guess well, Derek... well, Rob, our producer, can edit out those, uh, those uh, portions th- of it and uh, make it sound <laughs> like you uh, are predicting this. Thanks, Rob. But uh, again, I'm gonna, I'll finish on this note. Derek Carr owns the Titans. I'm going to say about that, you know, I know Seth Roberts is gone. He's, he was his partner in crime. Seth Roberts owns the Titans. They, they both did, but I think Derek Carr will be fine. I think, uh, again, it's not going to surprise me if they win next week and they're back in the playoff mix and everyone's like, oh, Derek Carr is the best. So these fans are fickle. I know it's been a rough, a rough couple of, couple of weeks, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. All right, well, we will talk to you guys in the middle of the week and get you all set for that game, that showdown against the Tennessee Titans. But, uh, That'll do it for tonight's episode of State of the Nation. Adios. For more exclusive Raiders content, including player interviews, go to theathletic.com slash state of the nation for a free seven-day trial and 40% off a subscription.